Hello, beautiful humans. I am so excited to bring you today's conversation with Melanie Hirsch. This is such an interesting conversation because I my my experience with relationships and dating is very, very has been very easy, has been very fulfilling, let's just say that, and just a very all-around positive experience. So I really was really looking forward to talking to Melanie because I wanted to understand the deeper facets of what really blocks people and the struggles people have with finding partnership, being in relationships, and dating, and just that whole world. And so today we're going to dive into dating, relationships, um, how to really meet and accept yourself through this process of dating and coming into a relationship with somebody else. And to summarize it all, it's just really all about you being, like as Melanie says, being good at you, being completely fulfilled and full of who you are and understanding that relationships and dating is really a spiritual uh journey. It's a really a spiritual process of coming home to yourself and learning more about who you are and why you have the challenges that you have and what unmet needs you have and how is this all just serving you to really accept and love who you are. So this is a really powerful and eye-opening episode on dating, relationships, what the mindset we need on healthy relationships, looking at self-esteem, looking at fears, insecurities. And Melanie just really does a really good job at laying it all out in a really digestible, easy to understand way. So let's dive in today with Melanie. Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself Podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. Okay, so I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. So I always like to start all my episodes with this question is, if you know this, what's your sun, moon and rising? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's so funny. I have, I can look it up on my phone. I have friends that tell me, you know, these things and then they go, oh, you've got Venus and this and that. And then I totally forget it because it's not language I use on a daily basis. So I just totally forget. So not a clue. What's your sun sign then? Um, I mean, I'm a Virgo. Is that my sun sign? Yes. Wait, what is I'm so curious. Hold on. Let me see. Astrology. Oh, here we go. I wrote it down. Virgo with an Aries moon and Sagittarius rising. Mercury is in Libra. Venus is in Leo. Mars is in Gemini. Beautiful. Does that tell you anything? Yeah, yeah. I, I have I have a Sag rising too, so I resonate with that. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means, but 
Beautiful. What words would you use to describe yourself? Mm. Warm, loving, um, playful. Mm. That's really beautiful. You get, mm. you have a, you have a lightness to you. So I definitely see that. Thank you. Um, okay. So let's get to the juicy part of this. Okay. So you are, you were a marriage and family therapist. Now you're a dating coach. You really, your focus is relationships, helping people find love. What was your history that got you to this point? Is this is, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I want to help people with. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just so struggled in this area. Um, and, you know, even though I felt like I'm pretty self-aware, I know who I am. I've done my work in the world. For some reason, I just kept attracting in unavailable men and people who couldn't choose me. And just, I just kept repeating the same patterns over and over again. And being the personal growth geek that I am, I was mm-hmm. like, I need to figure this out. Like, this is not okay. And I, and I felt like I'm the last of my friends that's single. You know, I've got to figure out what's going on here. And so I really... I did a deep dive in this area and just committed myself to figuring out what is going on that I can't seem to have a healthy relationship. And I just like studied with every teacher and went to every workshop, read every book and really put this huge focus there. Um, and, and then I started seeing improvements all of a sudden, like, you know, it took a long time, but I started seeing, oh, wait, things are shifting, things are shifting. And as I figured out how to shift these things, I was also, I started working as a therapist and I had all these single women coming to me. And so I was sharing with them the stuff that I had been putting into practice to turn my patterns around. And suddenly they were going from being with unavailable partners and having struggles dating to meeting their partners and getting married. And so things were shifting with them. So I just realized like, this is this is my area. You know, Mm. I'm so passionate about it. I put so much time into it personally. And um, I just love being able to help people move through their blocks. Did your, did you become a therapist based on your own struggles or was that like a inspired decision from your own challenges? Yeah, actually being a therapist, I became a therapist because at the time I thought I really wanted to work with teenagers. And so that was my jam back in the day and working at schools and doing rites of passage with teenagers and, um, you know, different classes that we call counsel. And I loved doing that work. And I thought, I want to go deeper and be a therapist for teenagers. So that was what originally got me there. But then I, working with teenagers, I realized, I mean, I love them and I can connect with them. I know how to drop in and make them feel heard and seen. But uh, a lot of them just, you know, they wanted a place to vent, but they didn't really, they weren't really that interested in creating change um, on a deeper level, didn't want to do the work. They just wanted to, to vent. And I, it became not as satisfying as I thought it would be. And um, when things shifted in my career path and I had the opportunity to start working as a dating coach, I jumped on it and just never looked back. It feels like such a good fit. What did you learn about yourself from all the struggles? Like what's the key thing that you felt like it was really teaching you? Mm. There's so much. Um, I really got in the struggles. I, 
I got how I was so, I was so focused on seeking validation Mm. and on, I was really, I didn't feel super fulfilled in my own life on a lot of levels, even though I thought I was, I wasn't. And I was looking for a partner to come and fill that hole and make me feel complete. And, you know, that's never the way. That's never going to be the way that we get the healthiest relationships. If we're coming from this place of need, I need you so that I'm happy. That is, it's like, that's how codependent relationships start and, and toxic relationships. So I realized that I was doing that and that really what I needed to be doing was looking inside and working on fulfilling myself so that I feel whole and complete so that I can show up to dating and meeting a potential partner from a place of fullness and overflow. Like I'm here to give because my life Mm -hmm. is so full and delicious. I don't, I don't need you. I would love to be with the right person, but I don't need you. And that, that was a really big one to, to make that shift from, I need you to validate me to I am whole complete and that was so so many other layers to things I've learned but that was the the biggest one I think and the the other one that really stands out is just I had a ton of beliefs about myself Mm. that were sabotaging me You know, Mm -hmm. like these limiting beliefs that were living underneath the surface saying, I'm not enough and I'm too much and no one's going to love me and I'm going to be alone forever and all of that stuff that like we pick up over time and don't even realize we have those beliefs. And I realized that I have beliefs that are literally attracting in (laughs) their matching counterparts. Like, you know, I'm just drawing those things in because that's what my brain is focused on. So that was huge too, to start working on rewiring the beliefs and releasing those. And once I freed myself from all of those negative and limiting beliefs, I felt so much more peaceful, so much more joy, dating became pleasurable. So those were two of the biggest, the biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. As you were speaking, the thing that came to me is this, we're seeking to find fulfillment through a partner. And the lack that we're feeling within ourselves. And the other thing is our life is always going to be a reflection of our own belief systems, right? right? So whatever you're believing, reality is going to show you that right back. It's this really interesting conversation because my history is a bit uh, very different. I've never struggled with relationships. I found my mm. partner very young and everything that you're saying, I'm like, why would I need a partner? Why would I need someone to fulfill me? Yeah. Um, like I, it's just, it's like my brain is not wired that way at all. So it's really interesting to have this conversation and kind of shed light on something that I personally don't have a lot of experience with at all, actually. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Well, you were, for, yeah, you're very fortunate in that Yes, some people find their partners early or it's just easy for them. And I think, you know, their karma or what their soul is here to learn is supposed to be other things. Thanks. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. some people, they really struggle in this area. And I always tell people, it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just that your soul's journey has brought you here to grow and develop in this area. This, area. Like, this is your pathway to growth and expansion and, and evolving. Yeah. And I love that you pointed that out because it doesn't mean we're being punished. Everybody's 
theme or journey is going to look very different. It doesn't mean that I don't struggle with validation. It's just as another area of my life. Yeah. Right. Um, One of the things that I want to ask came up is what do you feel or what, what, with the women that you've worked with, do you work with men as well? I do. I do. Okay. With the men and women that you worked with, what's the common limiting belief that's like always surfacing that you notice? Yeah. I think the biggest one, the one I see with most everyone is some form of I'm not enough. You know, I'm not enough in some way to attract in the person I want to attract in, whether it's I'm not attractive enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I don't, you know, whatever it is, I'm not fun enough or interesting enough. I mean, everyone seems to have insecurities in that realm that I, that I work with. What do you tell the people who are struggling with that? Like what, how do you, how are you then helping them rewire that, Cause this is what I've personally believe is like, if someone tells me I'm not good enough for them, I'm like, I'm not your person back off. Bye. See you later. Exactly. (laughs) A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. They're not there yet because they're still wired that their value comes from external validation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us pick this up in childhood I mean, it's great if you didn't have that in some way, you know, like there's so many people pick it up in childhood, um, in your family system, you know, a lot of times there's this pressure to be a certain way and measure up. And so I think a lot of people have that. The way that I work with it is, I mean, I have a whole program that's sort of laid out to help people reprogram their beliefs and rewire uh, their beliefs. And so it involves a daily practice because I really think that, you know, we don't shift from a sticky on the bathroom mirror that says you're enough. Like I always say, A plus for trying, love that you put the stickies on the mirror, but it, it, that's not going to create change. What creates change, it's like you have to rewire and create a new habit, a new default. And that takes practice. It takes working with it every day. So I take my clients through a series of different exercises and practices that I have them do every single day for at least 40 days in a row. And, um, you know, it takes a little bit of time. They got to put like 20, 30 minutes aside a day. But I really think that when you keep working with it day after day after day, that's when the rewiring starts happening. What's one practice that you do share that really works on this belief? Let's just say we have this belief. Someone listening has this belief is I'm not, I'm not good enough for this person that, you know, I'm maybe dating right now, it's bringing up all this insecurity. Like what could someone do to start looking at that? Yeah. So I would say the place to start is, you know, first identify what are the beliefs you have that are negative or limiting. It could be about you. It could be about relationships. You know, it could be about uh, just anything life, you know, and if you feel supported by life or not, whatever it is, come up with the negative and limiting beliefs and then start tuning into when did I create this? Like when was the first time I felt this way? It's mm-hmm. always really interesting to kind of go back and tune in to, yeah, when did this first show up for me? Cause usually it's old and then really look at, is this true? Like, is this actually true or is this something 
I created in my mind based on experiences and things that happened to me. And so I think just starting to explore that and journal on that is a really great place to start. Yeah, it's interesting. What comes to my mind is I feel like our limiting beliefs are a trauma response for a need that was unmet. And I feel that like everything that we're struggling with as adults, uh, especially with the validation, I'm not enough. And I don't know anyone who doesn't have that voice at some point in their life or every day come up. It's coming from a place where there was abandoned, like a rejection of the self happened very young. Right. So do you find that a lot of the times, yeah, it's like I'm having a dating issue, but it's actually like really going back to something from childhood or from mom or from dad. And it's actually point pointing to something completely different, but the manifestation is, you know, this, because that's the only way you're going to learn the lesson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we just, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I look at, you know, there was a time, there was a, I had an experience when I was in sixth grade where I went from being one of the popular girls in my little crew to um, my whole gang of girls ganging up on me and name calling, you know, the stuff you do when you're young and mean. <laughs> and uh, so all of a sudden I, I went from having all these friends and feeling on top of the world to, I had no one. And, um, and I remember being followed in the schoolyard and them making fun of me and just tear holding tears in and just, I mean, super traumatic. And it's something so many kids experience. I didn't realize how that impacted me until later in life when it took me a while to figure out. I mean, I was constantly anxious on dates, feeling like they were going to leave. Even if things were going well, I was always nervous that they were going to leave and kind of needy and just super in my head and fearful. And I felt like the rug was going to be pulled out from underneath me at any moment. And when I really started exploring, I got like, oh. This start. This was a sixth grade thing. Like this happened a long time ago. That these fears came in that I'm going to be alone, and and people are going to leave suddenly. And so I realized, oh my god, this has been impacting my relationships and really destroying some connections because I was so needy. So it's fascinating to look at where this stuff started and how it's creeped into our lives. Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up because for me, and like I'm just gonna share where my struggles have been with validation seeking is my intelligence actually, not Mm. smart enough. Mm. It was never about like my appearance or relationships or men, but it was all about like work and intelligence and how successful I would be in the world. And it's also interesting is like if you go back into your family dynamics and your family system, what did your parents prioritize? It's, and that's the thing. Yeah. So you had that. I had, I'm not pretty enough and I'm not going to be able to attract in a person that I want. And my, I grew up in LA uh, and uh, the, the focus was on looks. Yeah. How you look was everything. So I had eating disorders and I mean, you know, the whole thing that's sort of, and everything was about, I mean, growing up, I remember there was always a new diet in my house and the talk was on losing weight and so it was, uh, yeah, I had a real distorted view of, of what beauty is and, and what health is. And so that definitely. That's really interesting because there's a saying in the Indian culture, 
which my mom used to say to me often, but like, I never really put the two and two together. So I guess it didn't really turn into a limiting belief is like, if you go out in the sun, you'll get dark. And if you're dark, you're not beautiful anymore. Oh, right. Interesting. And yeah. Cause dark skin is not considered beautiful in the Indian culture. And the other one was, uh, wow. don't get like, if you're too fat, no guy's going to want to marry you because men don't like fat wow. women. Right. And that wasn't something I got, but I, I would hear my um, friends who were Indian say things like that. I was like, that's so mean. Like yeah. if so, if, if a guy is, <laughs> if a guy is with you because of how you look, that's shallow. Yeah. And I mean, I get, it's interesting. I just did a, a, um, a little Instagram post on this the other day, but um, I was talking about, you know, some people, how they, they hold off on dating until they lose a certain amount of weight. Like they think they have to look a certain way to attract their partner in. And I was saying, it's like, yeah, cool. If you want to lose weight, great. But attraction to me is about energy. And of course, you know, people want to be physically attracted to the person that they're with. But a big piece of that is how you show up with your energy and, um, and what the connection is like. That can really, attraction can grow from there. You can be rock, you know, you can have an extra 15, 20 pounds on you and you could be insecure and kind of shut down and sort of playing small, feeling like I'm not enough. And then you won't be enough and you won't meet the right people. But you can also get out there, put on an outfit that feels good to you and just own it knowing like, yeah, I am working on my health and I'm, these are things I'm working on, but I'm beautiful as is and hold your head high and energetically like that is attractive. So it's really mm -hmm. about how you feel inside. That makes such a huge difference in terms of who you're going to attract in. It doesn't have to do with the number on the scale or the, you know, the darkness of the skin or that, you know, it's like, it's so about the energy. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want you to talk a bit more about the energetics because I'm a firm believer. It's not in so much of what you do that gets you, let's mm. just say the things you want in life. It's really who you're being yeah. and how much you're full of your own self. Totally. How, how have you seen like, the energetics play into dating? Mm. Well, I think that a lot of people, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of people out there and they, there's this real focus in the dating world on what you do. And the women in my program, you know, they're always like, what do I say? What do I do? What do I, you know, like they want to, they want all these answers. And um, what do I do in terms of like, what do I do to like get a, get a man, like get a, a woman, like, well, what do I do? Like, um, yeah. Or, or, how do I track this person in or what like this person called and they said this and what do I need? Like they're worried about the specifics. Like how do I say the right thing? Mm. How do I do the right thing to be picked? And I always say, it's not about what you do. It's about who you're being. If you're coming from this place of insecurity and fear and, and feeling like if you're, if you have any sort of scarcity where you feel like there's not enough good guys out there and I just can't mess this up because this might be the, the, the last good one that I get, you know, like if you're coming from scarcity, then you start getting in your head and worrying about what you're doing. But when you're more relaxed and you just, and you can just really embody yourself and trust the process, then your energy is just so more, it's so much more vibrant and um, you're able to be so much more present. And that's where connections grow. 
and attraction grows. That's so really, it, that's it's really, fascinating. It's fascinating, but yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's really interesting as you're saying this, because like how I'm connecting the dots for myself is like, in my, for me, it's been my work, you know, and it's, it doesn't matter what, what the thing is, is it, if it's a relationship, if it's your work, it's your body, it's your relationship with money, even whatever it is, it's like, it's all plays out the same way. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't, totally. it's, and, um, what, what, what I'm, what I'm hearing is like, it's the more in love that you can be with yourself and the more accepting of yourself that you can be, then it's so much easier for you to just be who you are. As you are is so huge that like that self-compassion is it's such an important thing. And I think that, yeah, like when we love ourselves flaws and all, you know, um, and we just go, and we, we accept ourselves, um, then we're so much more acceptable, you know, it's just, it's, it's a win-win. Um, but that's, that's such a big thing. And I find that people that don't accept themselves, they get really insecure in dating. They create meaning out of everything, you know, someone not choosing them, feels like a personal attack or, you know, a real huge rejection. But the more that people really get like, yeah, I'm valuable and worthy as I am. I don't need you to tell me that I'm worthy. And they really own their power and their worth um, and their beauty. Yeah. Everything just flows with so much more ease. Mm -hmm. What makes me think of it, it's just, it's just mirroring back to you where you're not connected and, Uh, secure in who you are because it's like I always say like we become codependent on things because we need this thing to make us feel a certain way yeah and it's like learning how to not be codependent but autonomous in our worth and our value in our beauty or whatever it is um yeah well I want to I want to shift gears a bit and talk about some of the myths that you feel like people believe that's like Maybe not, maybe it's not a societal thing or a a paradigm they're believing in, but what are the myths that are really holding people back? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, one is, I think relationships should be easy. If it's not, (laughs) right. (laughs) As soon as they hit, like I have clients, as soon as they hit a rough patch, they're like, I don't know if this is right. It should, this should not be this hard. And I'm like, oh, honey, it's, you know, this is, you know, love can be easy. Like love is just this beautiful force that can penetrate through anything, but relationships take work. And um, so I think that that's something that I noticed comes up is people are quick to kind of write people off as soon as they hit some bumps and don't really get that a part of the process, a part of a healthy relationship is moving through those bumps together and navigating those. Um, I think also, you know, one myth I think that people have is I need to work hard to get love. Like I have to really try hard, you know, meaning um, like a lot of women that come to me, they will go out of their way to do things for men so that the men like them. So they think like, oh, if I, 
bake you cookies and get these concert tickets. And when you're in the shower, I fold your laundry and put it away. I'm going to do these nice things. And he's going to get how valuable I am and choose me. And um, no one's going to choose you because you're folding their laundry. I mean, at least not like a high quality conscious partner is not going to go, you know what? She made me cookies and she folded my laundry. I'm in. It's like, you don't have to try. Like you just get to be yourself and see who, who connects with you. Who do you connect with and who connects with you? It's just about being fully authentic. And I think that something a lot of people do is they're, they, they try to be the version of themselves that they think the other person is going to like. Mm-hmm. especially if they're in scarcity mode or they have a bunch of limiting beliefs that they're not enough. They're going to try to be enough by being, they're going to like tap dance around and let me just be this version of myself. And you might hook someone in temporarily by putting on a little dance, a little put a song and dance on that, that matches with that person's energy. But in the end, you've got to be authentic. And if that person doesn't know who you really are, then it's all a front. Like the connection is not real. You're not able to actually cultivate true emotional intimacy mm-hmm. if you're being fake and you're not, you're not being authentic and you're trying to get them to like you. Your relationship won't go anywhere. Mm. You know, It might be fun temporarily, but in the long run, they're not going to be able to feel your heart because you're not sharing your heart. Yeah. And you're not being authentic. And how can you sustain something long term if you're not even yourself in it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. And that's a real big thing. I did that a lot. Um, you know, I, I tell my clients, I, I, remember, I remember dating this fancy lawyer guy and I'm not very fancy. I'm <laughs> like, you know, I've got some fancy outfits, but I'm not that fancy. And um, I remember like putting, I mean, I got myself like this kind of gown sort of that I wore to a date and borrowed my friends like nice, you know, purse and heels. And I was showing up, not myself. I was thinking to myself, well, what would a lawyer's wife look like? And I was trying to play the part mm-hmm. and I was hiding my beat up car that was bashed on the side and parking it far away and, 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 and hiding who I really was so that I could be chosen. And I really liked the guy. And in the end, he didn't choose me. And I realized later on, after I was able to reflect and go through, do all this work, oh yeah, I, I wasn't being myself. So like he never got to know the real me. There was no chance this was gonna work because I was trying so hard to get his love and attention. Mm -hmm. If you're missing in the equation, then it's not really, it's not, it's, it's bound to fail because. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's a lie. They're, they're, they're falling for, if they're falling for you, they're falling for a lie and it's going to come out eventually. And yeah, I mean, when you're, I always tell, I tell my clients, it's like, well, you're, you're looking for your best friend. Like you're looking for the person that you want to go to sleep with every night, wake up with every morning. And um, someone who is supporting you, you're supporting each other and growing together. Like those connections, you don't have to work to have those connections. Like those connections are just there. You feel it. It's like when you meet a new 
great friend, you're not like strategizing how to hook them in. It's like that the connection is just there. It's effortless. So it's the same thing. And I think if you're trying to work too hard, it's just, there's something off. What comes up is really, I feel like there's the fear of being seen for who you are. Yeah. Right. And- from, and also from not accepting, if you don't accept yourself as you are, because you haven't done that work yet, then yeah, you're not comfortable being yourself or being seen for yourself. So that's when you act like someone else. The, the, the phrase that comes to my mind is the love that you're seeking, you have to first give it to yourself, which is so cliche, but it's like, it is so, so true. true. So true. All those cliche things are so freaking true. Yeah, it's, it is so true. It is so true. And I, I see this over and over again. Um, these are the keys. Like these are the, the pieces where people are really struggling is they're having a, a hard time accepting themselves. And then it's, it's throwing them off in all these different areas in dating. Well, you know, what comes to my mind is whenever I have friends who meet my husband and me and they always go like, he adores you. And I'm like, of course he does. Like, why do you think he adores you? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, He just does. And I kind of, I kind of sit with it and I'm kind of like, because I don't, I don't need anything from him. Like I'm not his, my sense of self and my sense of my worth is not coming from him. And, and I think, and I realize like, just, just from witnessing my own relationship dynamics and friends who've come and just uh, asked me questions is realizing like the more you, the more needy and desperate you are, the repulse, the more repulsive you are. Yeah. And oh, that goes yeah. with anything though. I know it's so true. I mean, I, yeah, I used to talk about that with people with, when they were applying for jobs and you know, when you're coming to a new job and you're, and you're trying to get a job and you're desperate for it. You're just, you can feel the person interviewing you can feel that desperation. It just leaks out. But if you go into the job interview and you just trust and you're like, all right, universe, God, whatever word you use for that source energy, I trust you. If this is for me, I know I'm going to get it. And if it's not, then I, I let it go freely. And just when you just trust that what's happening and what's unfolding is so serving you and you can surrender to that then you can show up as yourself on that interview. And then you're going to make such a better connection with that person because you're relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows up in so many different ways. So what do you have to, what do you have to say to women? Cause I've, sometimes I've talked to some women who have these like checklists uh-huh. of like, like he needs to be this, 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 this. And I kind of like, I'm like, it's like, you're not allowing yourself to just meet the person who you, you have a person who you think you need and there's a person you actually need. Yeah. I was talking to my friend about this because when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be with someone who was like very type A, super extroverted, super out there, like, you know, assertive. And my husband is not that way. He's soft. He's sensual. He can really hold my emotions really well. He mm. can meet me where I am. He has no problem with my range of emotions. So what about like this, this, this belief that this is the person I need and I have all these checklists versus this is actually the person you're supposed to be with who's completely in alignment with you. Yeah. And I think that's, there's a difference between preferences and must-haves. 
Mm. And I always tell people, you know, they have these checklists and it's like, okay, are these preferences or are these things you know you need to have to be happy in a relationship? And so we really look at that and pull it apart because I get it. Like I used to have the same thing. I'm like, oh, he's got to be over six feet and then he's got to, you know, be kind of a surfer and all these things that weren't really important and had nothing to do with love. But it felt at that time that those things were important. And um, yeah, I think what's really important, it's like throwing out the preferences preferences list. Um, I mean, it's great to know what your preferences are, but ultimately it's about really honing in on what do I know I need to be happy with someone. And so values and things that are important to you. So you can look at that list and go, every single one of these things I know I need, like without this thing, I will be unhappy. And when you get that dialed in and you kind of toss the other list and, and work off of that, it's so much easier because those are the, those are the things you really need. And because, you know, and I think that people get confused sometimes. So, you know, one, one thing that comes up sometimes is I'll have women say, okay, I have them do the list. And then they say, he's got to be college educated. And um, I always go, okay, let's talk about that. Do you really need him to be college educated or are you looking for someone who's really intelligent, sharp, going somewhere in life? motivated, driven, has an intelligence level that matches you, which one? And they're, of course, they're like, oh, it's that, you know? And so when we can really pull apart and look at someone's preferences list, we can really see how that's actually not the thing. Or, you know, the whole, uh, I need a guy who's six feet or taller, or who has a, you know, full head of hair or these things I hear. I, it's like, okay, what I hear you wanting is someone that you're really lit up by and attracted to. Mm. Whether or not they have a full head of hair or they're the height you want, you might find that you end up being attracted to someone who looks totally different. I mean, uh, uh, the, a man I was with for six years, I would have never picked him from an online dating site based on his looks. Like he did not look like what the person that I would have wanted to date at the time but I ran into him and started talking with him and there was such a connection. And I found myself, even though he looked different than what I thought I wanted and was totally different in so many ways, there was a real connection and a real attraction. And so I realized all these things that I thought were important, they actually aren't at all. Mm -hmm. So that's a big one. I think people block themselves from having the love they want because they're working off of preferences and not what they really need. Their values and what's really important to them in life. Yeah. Um, here's an here's an interesting other scenario. I'm trying to like ask you all the questions I have had <laughs> friends like ask me. Really? You're like, okay. <laughs> um, so you're on a date with somebody and it's your first time and you're there and you're just like, you're just like, I'm not feeling it. That spark is not there because you think it's like instantaneous. Yeah. And people always ask me, they're like, was it, was it like instantaneous when you first met your partner? I was like, no, like it was a buildup. So what do you have to say about, say to people who are like, oh, it has to be like instant connection. Like I have to, I'll immediately know if this is the person. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think that that's true Um, because love grows. Like you don't know right away how you, I mean, you know, people meet, sometimes they're 
a little bit more nervous on a first date or um, there could be something going on for them that moment that you don't know about. I think the thing that's important is, am, do I want to see them again? Am I interested in seeing them again? And if you could just focus instead of like, are you the one, which puts a lot of pressure on it. It makes it really heavy and you got to be in your head and analyze it. Instead of, are you the one? It's like, do I feel like seeing this person again? Is this a yes for me? Or would I rather reorganize my sock drawer than go out with them again? If you're a yes to hanging out again, just follow that thread. And then you go on another date and it's like, oh, do you actually want to see them again? or no. And so really just trusting that inner guidance. Like we know if we're interested, if you don't need to figure out, is this the one? You're not going to be able to know that in the beginning. So that takes some time and, and it takes getting to know someone and really feeling into the connection. And I think it's important to have some struggles with that person. You know, when you get to that place where you're with someone and you, you argue about something comes up and there's a little tension, like, I think that's important. Like, how do you navigate conflict? Like seeing how both people work in that area. That's really important. You don't know any of this stuff in the beginning. So I say just follow your natural guidance to do I want to see them again or no. Don't try to convince yourself. And just go with that light, that lightness, not a heaviness of are you the one? And if you're not, I got to get rid of you right away. Like, be open, be curious. You're going to, and then it'll become obvious if it's continues to be someone you want to see or not. What about when someone is like a serial dater and they go on lots of dates all the time and they're already going in with this like notion of there's no good guys out there or they're on the date and they, and they, maybe the, maybe this guy in front of them is like exactly the type of person they were looking for, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's everything that they want in a partner. Let's just say they, they're getting that vibe from this person. Mm-hmm. And I, what if like your self-sabotaging patterns are starting to come up and you're just like, you're feeling vulnerable because now this person is actually seeing you and meeting you where you've been wanting to met, be met for all these years. And this person is actually sitting in front of your face all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And you're, yeah. and you're, and yeah. now like the tendency to like run starts to come and you get really confused of, oh, this is not the person you start to start, convi- start convincing yourself of all these things. Mm. Well, I think, I mean, if you're, it's an interesting thing because you would think that someone wouldn't convince themselves. I mean, if, if there is this amazing person, you would think they're not going to convince themselves it's wrong, you know, like that they would want to, do you know people that do that, that they met? People yeah, and yeah. Then they go, oh, camp. So, what's the dialogue in their head? So, they, so this is interesting because I was having this conversation with a friend. She's like met somebody who is exactly who she would want to be in partnership with. He sees her. He can hold her. There's intimacy. There's authentic connection there, okay. and yet she's getting caught up on his looks. Mm. Oh, I'm not attracted to him. I'm not attracted to him. But at the end of the day, he is everything she would want in a man in terms of the, the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, and and in those situations, I always say, because attraction is an interesting thing. So I always go, are you lit up by being with this person? I mean, do you get, does your heart light up? Are you excited when you see them? You know, that's so important. And so even if you have, if you have all the things and he's this and he's that, and he holds me well and all these things, but you don't light up in your heart around them and get excited to see them. 
I, you know, it's missing. Some, there's something missing there. Mm-hmm. And you can't force that. Um, that that's, there's a certain connection that has to be there. And so it's interesting because I know that a physical attraction can grow. I've experienced it, um, you know, as the intimacy, as the connection grew, as I would get to know the man, it's like, oh, well, God, now he's being vulnerable and he's he, all these things. And then my heart cracks open and then I find him more attractive, more attractive. So I've definitely dated men where there was not a lot of attraction in the beginning and it totally grew where in the end, I'm like, I just want to rip you apart because it's so cute. But um, so I think, yeah, I think that has to, that a certain lit upness has to be there. So I don't know if your friend, does your friend feel that? I think she, I think she does, but I think the fear of, oh my gosh, she's already here. I've been trying to create, I've been trying to find this person for so long and it's already, it's like here, it's in front of me and it's real. And I think, I think that might freak people out that it's like, all of a sudden they go from searching and now it's like, he's here. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of fears and insecurities can come up at that point. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of women come to me when they're at that point too, and they, they've, met someone but they're like in their head and just you know there's their stuff is coming up I think sometimes in those moments it's just there's like a window open Mm. to some of our deeper fears and so for your friend whatever's coming up it would sort of be like this feeling of anxiety or fear like what is the belief that's at the root of that and I think when you can work with that belief that's creating the fear or the anxiety or doubt or whatever. Um, and you could start working with that and rewiring it, rewiring, giving it attention and love. And uh, that's when things can start to shift. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's also important to look at what pattern comes up. Do you go avoidant? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or do you go like, oh my God, now I got to impress this person because he's <laughs> finally here. He's the one. Oh my gosh, this is the person I've been waiting for. I think it's also your your attachment style if you're secure attached or avoidant starts to show up in those in that situation as well. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important. I think, you know, and this is my whole spiel. I'm like doing the work, you know, doing the more work you can do on yourself and and work to heal these different areas before you even get out there and meet someone, it's so beneficial because then when you've worked on your insecurities and fears and, and, you know, you know that you're anxious or avoidant and you've really looked at that stuff, when someone comes in, you're more resourced, you know, you've worked with these things, you see what's happening and then you know how to navigate it with more grace. Um, But when we don't do the work and we're just like out there, do, 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 and I just need to find someone and meeting different people, it's like, then we just have these knee-jerk reactions and our patterns start taking over. So the more awareness we have of our patterns, the more reflection and work we've done on them, the easier we're going to catch ourselves and then soothe ourselves when those moments show up. Yeah. It's like the thing that you're struggling with. And in this case, if it's relationship, it's the thing that's showing you where, where you need to look at something within yourself and what you need to come and heal, not because you're broken, but because there is this, this, there is a, there is a not harmony in your system around this issue. Um, It's like a, it's just, it's like a giant spotlight comes in and shows you exactly where you need to be doing some work and some self-care. It's really quite beautiful. It's like, I always say, you know, people get so frustrated with dating and, oh, it's so hard. And it's, I'm so anxious. And I'm like, 
I look at it like this is a beautiful opportunity for you to discover what are the areas that I have some work to do that I'm, you know, what areas need some healing and some love. And I, I think that dating really brings up all of our stuff, like anything you have within you that's unhealed and not move through, dating will bring it up. It will absolutely come up. And we can run from that and shut down and close off, or we can welcome it in as like, oh, I'm getting mm-hmm. to see and learn something more about myself and we can learn to work with it and evolve and grow and become an even better version of ourselves. And that's, that's like the difference between unconscious dating and conscious dating and seeing dating and relationships as like a spiritual, a spiritual practice even. Totally. I absolutely see dating as a spiritual practice. I think it's, it's a beautiful spiritual practice. And the more that people can embrace it as that, the more fun it's going to be and the less stressful. Mm. So I I would love to talk about polarities with you Mm. because it's such, I I mean, I find it so interesting, the feminine, the masculine. Yeah. Let's start with just what your thoughts are on polarity and the, on the masculine, the Mm. feminine and in, in ourselves, first of all, because it's, they're both, we are both, feminine and masculine within ourselves, but also in just like relationship dynamics. Yeah. So I think it, it, it's a big factor in dating and relationships. Um, you know, I think that what I, what I notice a lot is, um, women, especially powerful women that are successful and they're juggling a lot. It's easy for them to show up to dating from a masculine place because they're very much in their head. And they're kind of like, go, go. Like, we just got to make this happen. Like, are you the one? Or and there's a kind of a, a quickness to it. And um, there's not, their heart's not really open. They're approaching it from their mind, from this masculine place. And so when someone is showing up to dating, if a woman is showing up to dating and, and she's looking for a masculine partner and she's showing up with all masculine energy, because she's in her head. She's trying to figure this out. Um, that It's going to be hard for that connection to develop because that masculine energy, you know, he's already in his, in his mind. He's already living there. And um, what is really attractive to him is feeling a woman's heart and feeling her softness and her vulnerability and, you know, her, her ability to just you know, roll with things, her creativity, the way she moves through the world. And, and so if you're in this rigid place in your mind, he can't fill your heart. So it's just so challenging. But if you're soft and you're in your feminine, if you're, you know, dropped into a heart space and you're not trying to lead and take the reins and ask all the questions and you just soften and relax, then you can really allow the connection to come out. You get to see what's there. It's like the flavors come out and that polarity gets to be there, which is so delicious. And um, so, yeah, I see that happening a lot. Or I see men who are too concerned sometimes with what does the woman think and what does she want to do? Like he'll say, where do you want to go to dinner tonight? And what do you want to do? And he's asking all like trying to just cater to her which is very sweet on a certain level, 
but it's, he's definitely, it's not coming from a very masculine energy. It's like really just, um, he's not taking the reins at all. And he's kind of forcing her to make a decision, which puts her a little bit in that masculine mode and then kills the polarity. So I'm always like, get a few different, you know, things that she might like and say, okay, what are, what are three different options that you might be interested in? And then you pick, pick one, you know, like you be a little bit more directive, Um, find out what she likes and then make a decision. You know, that's going to really support the dynamic and she's going to feel safer and more relaxed around him if he's taking the reins. So there's so many ways that this plays out, but I think that polarity is huge and, Mm -hmm. I mean, I used, I used to show up to my dates. I was very much in my head and I felt like I needed to fill all the silences and uh, I had to take the reins. I had to ask the questions I had to, and that was absolutely getting in my way. And the more that I learned to soften and just show up with love, like show up with this open heart, even if you're not my going to be my partner, let me just gift you with warmth and presence mm-hmm. and in this, in this feminine energy. And that feels good to me. And that feels good to them. And so the more that you can do that and women can really tap into that soft energy, you have more fun on your dates. The other person has more fun. You get to see what the dynamic is more. So anyway, I'm just babbling on this. That's beautiful. Um, I like to say that the masculine creates the container and the feminine is allowed to flow and kind of just move and dance through it. And one of the things that I, I do with my husband is when we pick when we have dates or whatever I tell him to create this create the container for the date so he'll pick he'll do the container so like a specific one that came to my mind is we did a hike he picked the hike he packed our picnic he packed our food and everything and that's not I didn't tell him to do that I just said create a container and let me just come in and flow and that was such a beautiful example of the feminine and the masculine at work because then I got to go on this hike and just like be led and then he stopped at this rock and we had a picnic and we took pictures so like doing things like that like if you're in a relationship is asking your partner to create a container for you and then you just to get to show up and do your creative fluidy flowing thing yeah yeah you get to ask or just share I always say like sharing what you love is such a feminine way to ask it's like oh I would love to just like be taken on a hike and not have to think about anything. And then they get to go, you know, I, I, I can do that. You know? So I think sharing what you love and what you would, what would delight you is so feminine. It's a great way to ask. And yeah, it's so nice. Like I can just imagine being on that hike and how, how nurturing and, and lovely that felt to just be led and not have to think about anything. Yeah. And I think it was, I mean, for me in partnership, what's really important is I'm not a planner by any means. I'm very flowy and intuitive and my husband is more linear and more logic and more like brain-based. So, and that dynamic works because if I want something done, he's like, okay, let's do, he puts, puts it all together. So we always say I'm the visionary and he's more the strategy. That's great. It's a nice balance. I love that. Yeah. But one of the, th- one of the <laughs> things I want to I ask you is how can women, and I know this is huge right now, this topic is so big right now, is practicing our feminine embodiment. So let's say you're coming from distorted masculine. You've been in a very let's go, 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 go career, and you're wanting to get more in touch with your feminine because you're realizing 
you're not attracted to the kind of man you want to be in a relationship with who can hold you and let you soften and let you relax, maybe plan a date for you and you get to show up and just enjoy the experience. How can we practice more of our feminine embodiment, like dropping from the mind and coming into the body? Mm. I, one of my favorite ways is movement, non-linear movement practices, you know, being able to put on music and just allow your body, you know, close your eyes, blindfold yourself, um, and just allow your body to fully express whatever's going through you. It could be rage, frustration, sadness, grief, um, whatever, it, love, joy, whatever's there. When we can move it through the body and not in a dance look pretty way, but however the body wants to express itself and it looks ugly or whatever, you know, um, messy. When we do that, we, we can, we get out of our minds and we get into our bodies. And I think that that is such a helpful practice. And I tell women, you know, if you're in your head and you're about to go on a date, put on a song, put on a song and really like, let it move you, let it rip, you know? Um, And it could just be a sexy song where you're fully embodying yourself and your femininity and your sensuality. And that gets you going, or it could be shaking it out and releasing anger or frustration Whatever it is, I think those practices are so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think too, being mindful as you navigate the world, like working on presence and appreciation, um, taking a walk, noticing the textures, the colors, the smells, the sounds, like the more that we tune into things and get out of our head and just start noticing what's here and appreciating it. That is just another very simple thing of kind of like dropping into yourself and dropping into gratitude and softening. So there, there's so many ways to do it, but I think, yeah, the movement practice is huge and, uh, and just almost like this meditative practice of appreciation and, and noticing what's mm-hmm. around you. I think that's another really simple one. Have you heard of a static dance? Stag dance? No, ecstatic no. dance. Oh, ecstatic. Yes, yes. I was yeah. like, a stag dance? I don't know about the stag dance. No, um, no, ecstatic yes. dance. Yeah. Do you do that? Yeah. Oh, nice. I haven't gone, but I know about it. And I've had friends that have done it. And it sounds like, yeah, like it's a, a place where you can fully express a safe place to fully express. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just go in and there's music and there's sometimes live music and you are allowed to move however you want to this room. Mm. And it's usually like the 20, 30 people. And there's like, I think there is like, um, if you don't want someone to dance with you, you can just kind of say like this and cross your arms. Oh, that's good. I love and, that. And I remember going to it and closing my eyes. I think I had my eyes closed for the whole entire hour moving through the room. And it's like dimly lit. It's so sensual. It's so opening. Wow. But I remember coming home and just feeling like, like water flowing rather than like water in like a glass that's like contained and rigid oh, and just like has structure. Yeah. And I just felt so embodied in my feminine. That was such a great way for uh, me. I haven't done it in a while because we know why. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But it was such a powerful way for me to connect and ground into my body. Oh, that's so beautiful. I I used to do these um, evenings. I would, I would go to these workshops and these nights where you would do these polarity practices and you were constantly, you were partnered up with 
a person of the opposite sex and um, you were trading partners every five to 10 minutes. And a lot of it was the, the woman was moving. The man would hold the stillness and the feminine, the woman would just move. There'd be some music on. And, and sometimes there was some instruction of, you know, think of this person as, you know, whatever. Like there was just a little instruction of how to think about the person or, and it was so beautiful. I would leave those nights, you know, just being there and kind of dancing as a gift for these different men from, from a heart place, not from a, look how sexy I am, look how my hips move, but from a place of like open-hearted generosity. And even that, because that's not closed eyes, like that, the closed eyes thing is great, but just gifting someone with movement, that was so beautiful. I would leave those nights and that feeling you were talking about, so in your feminine, I was just on fire when I would leave those nights because I felt so fully expressed and so in my feminine. Yeah, it actually it reminds me of watching salsa dancers. Like, so like, if you really want to understand the polarity in action, watch salsa dancers. Cause the man is like leading the woman and she gets to do her creative, like sensual dance. Uh, it's so beautiful to watch that chemistry. It's so, it's so sweet to see that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You can see a lot through movement. Yeah. It's, it's so, yeah, it's so interesting. The dynamics and the polarity um, and how men can really like, and men can do things like very simple things that all of a sudden we feel relaxed and we soften. I mean, it could be as simple as I know my, my ex, whenever we would go on walks and get out into the world, let's say we were taking a hike or something. I always have a bag with me and I always have a bunch of stuff, my tissues, my chapstick, my, you know, way too much stuff is always on me. And he would always go, Hey, give me your bag. He would always take my bag from me. And I loved that. I'm like, oh, I'm free of my bag. Like I could just be without holding anything. Like it was just the best thing ever. And it was this simple thing that he did. Like, hey, I got this. Mm -hmm. You just enjoy yourself. And it was so simple. And yet it really like, I would appreciate him more. I felt more relaxed. I felt taken care of. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what little shifts can do to the dynamic. What about women? This is really interesting you brought that up because I have some friends that I know are just women I've talked to who are very like independent. I got to do everything on my own. You know, I got to take care of myself. I don't need, I don't need help from a man. I don't need a man. Uh, yet they really want, it's like, they're afraid to say, yes, you can actually hold my, you can actually help me bring this box upstairs or whatever. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a, there can be a defense mechanism in there of, you know, like a, a fear of being vulnerable. Like I think some of those women, they're so used to having control of everything going on in their lives that the idea of being out of control or, you know, falling for someone and having things, you know, they can't control everything. They just kind of, oh, I got it. I got it. Like it's, it's a wall of protection. I think it's a defense mechanism at times. And so it's like, yes, you can be independent. You can, you can take care of yourself. You can do the things you want to do. And at the same time, you can also allow your heart to open and start stretching and pushing that edge for yourself and allowing someone to come into that space. Because if you really want someone in your life, you're going to have to crack your heart open a bit and allow them to show up because if a man is, if you're not creating room for him to show up and serve you, then 
he's not going to be, he's not going to be interested. It's like, he can't give his gifts. He can't really get in there and, and you can't receive. So it's, I think that women like that need to really look mm. at what's going on. What am I protecting myself from? And really, again, look at what are the beliefs that I have that are keeping me in this place of doing everything and feeling like I can't soften what are these beliefs? And then start working with those beliefs. Like, are these really true? And where do these come from? And really start examining those. I think that that's, that's the area to go there. Yeah. And the question that came to my mind is how can I allow myself to receive? Like, what can I start doing to open myself up to receiving? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, I I like the exercise of thinking like, let's say on a scale, using a scale of one to 10, and kind of looking at where am I on the scale in terms of my ability to receive? And maybe you're at a three. And so then it's like, okay, what could I do that would bring this to a four? What could I do that brings to a five? Because I think sometimes we try to jump like, oh, I've got to get to 10 right away. I'm not at 10. So, uh, but it's like, no, just work on the next level, the next level. And then from there, you go to the next level. And so you just, you start softening, you start melting a little bit, you know? Um, Yeah. It's so important. So here's a question I have is what can we start doing to start building an authentic connection with ourselves? Because at the end of the day, calling in a partnership or relationship really starts with building authentic connection with ourselves. Right. Yeah. I I think, you know, one of the things that's really important is to make sure that you've taken some time to really be with yourself. I think that in our modern day world, there's so many distractions, so many things going on, so many ways to numb out. You know, there's Netflix and shopping and all these different things where we just can forget, we, we, we disconnect from ourselves. And so I think it's really important to be able to take some time and really drop into yourself who are you? What do you love to do? What lights you up? You know, and really practice being with yourself. So that means taking some nights and not going on dates, not going on Netflix, not doing the things you normally do, not even listening to podcasts, sometimes just being like, just be still and notice what's there and, and work on really becoming the most fulfilled version of yourself. Like what lights me up? What am I pretending not to know? Sometimes that question can open things up. Um, And just like looking at your hobbies. I mean, recently I've had this, like all of a sudden out of nowhere, um, old hobbies of mine that I used to love are kind of coming back in. I'm going, oh, wait, I love these things. I want to dance and I want to do this. And it's just so delightful. And so it's like things like that, what lights you up and making sure you're doing it and making sure you're taking time to just be still. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that journaling is also helpful in terms of just processing what's coming in and moving it out, doing movement practices, allowing yourself to feel grief, feel sadness, like not pushing it away, inviting it to the table to have tea with you. Like, what are the feelings I'm avoiding? And instead of let me get rid of those right now, invite them in. Hey, what do you, what do you guys, what's going on? What's going on, sadness? What do you want to tell me? And listening to the voices. I think all of these things are just different 
techniques you can do and different things you can do to kind of drop more into yourself. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is filling yourself up, being fully contained within yourself where then you're not seeking in desperation for things outside of you, especially men to fill you up. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. That's it it, in a nutshell. (laughs) Right there. Yep. (laughs) So if you could reframe dating, from this whole like unconscious like I need a person to fulfill me oh my gosh I'm lacking I'm looking for my other half other half I can't stand that line oh my gosh your other half no I'm a whole person (laughs) (laughs) if you could reframe dating from this like you know the the normal paradigm what dating is what would you reframe dating to I would say dating reframing it to like dating is this amazing opportunity to really get to know yourself and to grow and expand and become an even better, fuller, more version version of yourself. You know, it's really a chance to see and discover any places within you that are unhealed and to work with those places and to practice like showing up on dates instead of, like I was saying before, are you the one? And then being disappointed when they're not showing up with a lightness, showing up to explore. You may get inspired. You may meet someone and it's a first date and you realize in the first minute, this is not my person. Like you just know. And you haven't, I did a video on this today on Instagram. You, you, um, you could shut down and kind of just make it through the date or you can use it as an opportunity to just be present, hold space for this person, get to know them. You might learn something new. You might get inspired. Who knows? But we have this opportunity to gift people with good energy. And that's Mm. what I see, you know, instead of dating almost from this place of like, are you the one for me? And you're looking to get, it's like, how can I give? And when we look at dating from a place of like, I'm here to give, then it really shifts the whole experience and you leave people almost better than you found them. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. So I, this is how I look at dating and, um, and I think that it makes dating more exciting. It's just way more fun. It feels better in our hearts when we're dating from these places. So that's that's the shift that that's the paradigm shift for me. And it kind of almost becomes like the sacred opportunity for you to learn and grow more as a person yeah. and to deep deepen more into your authenticity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I, I mean, I know that personally having gone through, you know, having done so much dating in my life and um, have moved through so many different things, it has really been such a huge catalyst for growth and personal and spiritual development. And so Mm. um, I'm so grateful for all of the different experiences that have come in, the painful, the great, it's all been a part of my journey. And I think when we can approach dating from that lens uh, it's so much more fulfilling. Yes. And I really, I really, really love that reframe. It takes it, it, it makes it about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about the other. It's about us. So, huh. Okay. What would you say is the number one intimacy block? Let's say you've been dating someone for a while. You're maybe dating them. I don't know how long people date for. I'm so out of the loop with this. <laughs> Maybe for a couple months. Is that is that how long people usually date for? Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a variety. It's a variety of time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say it's been a couple of months, and you're noticing yourself uh, start to like want to like cre- have more intimacy with this person. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. And you're not having that intimacy. Well, I mean, so you, okay. So let me ask you this. So you're, you're talking about how you want to have more intimacy and what's showing up. Like what's blocking you? Like, you're like, oh, I want to have more intimacy with this person, but I feel like something's holding me back. Like, what would you say is like that number one block people kind of struggle with? I think that the thing that holds people back the most is insecurity. Mm. And, um, and it just causes a contraction because when we're insecure, then we're in our head and then we're strategizing and trying to figure out a way to not be that way. And now we're not connecting. So the more that you work on the inner, you know, you do the inner work and clear that stuff, the more available you're going to be for partnership and the less likely you're going to have intimacy blocks because you're comfortable being yourself. You're not worried about losing the person, you know, you've moved through your main insecurity. So I think that's, that's a really big one. Yeah, that's really powerful that you said that. I feel like insecurity is such a big, 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 big component of preventing authentic connection and truly being seen by somebody and allowing yourself to be like, like someone receiving you. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think too, the, the more that we receive others, like the more that we show up from that place of generosity and we we're able to receive others and really show up with presence and good eye contact and really being there, um, modeling how you can show up. And then they get inspired. Oftentimes they might be nervous or insecure, but you're showing up in such an authentic, generous way that it calls them forward. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's just such a sweet way to approach dating. It is beautiful. Um, I had a question, but it like slipped my mind. Oh, no. oh. Like my life. No. <laughs> the questions is going, maybe it'll come, it'll pop back in. Let's see if you squeeze your head and then <laughs> your brain. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's I wanted, gone. I, I was, it was, I was really curious, but now it's like gone. Wow. Um, oh no, maybe it'll come at some point. Yeah. Okay, I'm not even going to try to try to yeah. find it. It's no, gone. That, um, <laughs> so it's like the more the I, I guess like what I guess what I'm hearing you say through this conversation is like just the more we can meet ourselves and accept ourselves, <laughs> the easier it's going to become for us. With everything, you know, and not just dating, but like your whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. these these things, you know, when when my clients. When I'm working with people, they end up telling me afterwards when they've moved through the insecurities and the fears and all that stuff that's been, you know, holding them up and keeping them repeating the same patterns, um, their work relationships improve, their dynamics of their family improves, their friendships improve because they're re- they've released all this stuff that's been influencing all of these different dynamics. So it's such beautiful work and it just makes everything better. <laughs> mm. And, uh, and, and, but yeah, with dating, I mean, it's really the key. It's like, make sure that really work on loving yourself as fully as you can and doing your inner work first. It's, it's not to say, I'm not going to say you can't find love unless you do the work first. No, it's absolutely possible. People are finding love and they're wounded and they, you know, there's all sorts of relationships. Oops. There's all sorts of relationships out there, but 
um, I think you're going to have a way easier time finding a healthy relationship if you have worked on yourself and you're just, you know, you've moved through the different layers and cobwebs and, you know, old beliefs and wounding and, and, uh, and just frees you up. Yeah. That's really powerful that you say that because I had someone ask me a while ago, it's like, Oh, I have to completely love myself first before I can have a partner. And I'm like, that's not true at all. So that's like you saying that I'm completely have mastered the self-love thing. And that's why I have a partner. And I don't believe that for a second. It's just that yeah. it, it, I think if you stop the cycle of the same person showing up over and over and over again until you realize, hmm, why am I in this dynamic all the time? Then, he, then you're forced to look or not. But yes, if you look, that's where the healing is. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a beautiful conversation. Mm. Uh, I want to, I want to wrap it up by asking you, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, well, you can find me. I'm on social media a lot. So I'm always posting little videos and, and things. So I'm on uh, it's Melanie Hirsch on Instagram and it's actually good at you on Facebook. I should really make it the same, but it's not. And, uh, and then my website is good at you all spelled out. Uh, dot com so people can find me there as well what I'm just curious what inspired you to call it good at you yeah well when I first started my business I just thought this is really about being good at yourself you know it's like you've got to be good at you before you can you know call in this really healthy beautiful relationship that's such a key component and so I thought yeah the, the more we're good at ourselves then we're able to be better in our partnerships and just healthier. So that was where that came from. That's really, I really like that. That's really, really, uh, it's just a great, it, it really holds the frequency of what you're doing so well. Uh, Uh, is there anything that you're offering currently that you want to tell us about? Um, gosh, there's so many new offerings that are going to be coming out. We're just rolling things out this year and I'm so excited about all these different things, but, uh, I have, I have a group coaching program that I just am. So I just am in love with (laughs) It's supporting women. It's women only supporting women in moving through their stuck places and just having more ease in this area. So that's something if, if anyone is kind of wanting some support, and um, you feel like this might be something that I might want to do, can send me a message, reach out to me. Um, I'd be happy to talk with you and see if you're a good fit for the program or for working with me. But those are the things I'm offering right now is the one-on-one and group coaching. Um, and then we'll have other little offerings rolling out over the years. So yeah, if you Beautiful. sign up on the mailing list, the mailing list I have, I send an email out usually five days a week with just little tidbits to support you. So um, that's also a really great thing. It's free and it's super supportive. So beautiful. All of Melanie's links will be in the show notes. And my final question that I like to ask everybody is what's something on your journey that you've gone through? Maybe that was a catalyst or a challenge that was maybe hard at the time, challenging, maybe even like broke you in a way, but like broke you, not in like broke you apart, but really like opened you, let's say that opened you Mm -hmm. that you've gained wisdom from now. You're like on the other side that you want to share with, with people. 
Yeah. Well, I have, I have one dating related that I, that was such a huge one for me. So I'll share that one with you. Um, which was, I had met this, I had met this beautiful man. I was so attracted to him. We went on a few dates and there was tons of chemistry and um, I was just about to go to Bali. This was, I felt like this was before Bali was like the place to be. I, was, I didn't know anybody there. I was going to Bali, I think it was like about a month. And so that was kind of hard because I just met this guy, but we ended up, I spent this whole trip in Bali going to internet cafes, writing with him. I mean, here I am in this amazing, you know, this amazing place and this culture and I'm obsessed with this guy. And um, I remember that uh, he said he was an actor and he was trying to get this commercial for Kay's jewelry. (laughs) And Mm. I remember he said, okay, if I get this commercial, I'm going to take us somewhere. I want to take us on a trip. And I mean, I was just so caught up in the fantasy. Where do you want to go? I'm like, I want to go to Tulum. And, and so it was like, I was all caught up in this fantasy. I gave all my energy to him. It was this whole buildup of you're the one. And then I get back from my trip and we saw each other the next day and it totally fell apart. And I never ended up seeing him again. Like he just disappeared Mm -hmm. and totally ghosted. Mm -hmm. And I was devastated. I mean, it took me down. Like I had really just put so much energy into this person and I had created so many stories and fantasies that it just gutted me. And, um, it forced me cause I would, I remember I couldn't stop crying. Like it just, a part of me felt totally broken open and, um, it, it forced me, I ended up finding the spiritual counselor someone recommended. And I started seeing her and just realizing how I made men my source. Like God wasn't my source. The universe wasn't my source. It was men. And I was giving all of my power away. And through my work with her, I started really cultivating this beautiful connection with source energy and, and shifting it from men being the source to me being the source and God, universe, whatever word being the source that was so life-changing for me. And I've like those lessons that I gained from that experience, even though I was gutted and so heartbroken at the time, um, it was such a powerful and beautiful lesson to get. And it's very funny too, because this story, I've told this story before, but um, he ended up getting the commercial for Mm -hmm. Kay's Jewelry. And I used to go to the gym and work out all the time. And the TV is on, I'd be watching the shows, you know, and uh, I would, he was constantly showing up on my TV screen for about a year. Um, This man would show up on TV proposing to a woman (laughs) and getting on his hands and knees. It was part of the commercial and kissing her and proposing. And it was just this, it felt like this funny, you know, it was just like cruel joke on me, you know, like the universe, like put it in my face. Like, here it is again, here it is again, here, you have to look at it every day and be reminded, but it was all perfect because it was just at some point over the year, I got like, oh, this is just showing me who I was. I was all about this and now I'm about this. And so it was, it was an interesting, interesting story and it was really changed me. What a direct way to learn from this and like reclaim your power. (laughs) I know, I know. Like, I think the universe was like forcing me forcing me. And it was, there were so many things. I remember like thinking we were going to have a date 
and I bought, we were going to have a picnic and I bought all this fruit, like beautiful. Like I was really like going out of my way to do all these things. And I remember opening the car door and all the fruit, like I was parked on a hill and the bag went down and all, I lived on the top of this big hill and all the whole foods, beautiful, fresh fruit just rolled all the way down to the, the main street. And it was just like, life was saying, no, like this is not going to work. Like, it's like all these things kept happening. Just wow. saying, let it go, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm super grateful for that time. This really helped me grow. Thank you for sharing that. Cause it seems like it really, it really opened you up to what you're doing now in such yeah. a powerful way. It did. It did. I'm super grateful for it. Well, thank you for uh, your medicine today and this conversation. Thank you. I so enjoyed talking with you about, we really covered all these different topics. I loved it. Mm -hmm.